Here's the reality. Sometimes we underestimate the damage that can be done because of how small it is. Have you ever done that? I did that when I was in high school. I grew up on the northeast side of town in Shirts, Texas, and it was July, and you know how it gets in July. Some of y'all who don't take really good care of your lawns, I'm included. It can get pretty dry, right? So I want you to imagine, like, that's, that's the house that you live in as a kid. And uh, I, it was July, so I went out and I bought a bunch of fireworks, the Roman candles, the bottle rockets that are supposed to be set off to go into the sky and explode and not at any person or thing. I know none of y'all have ever done that either. So uh, I went out and I got a bunch of fireworks and I took a, a little bitty pop rocket, right? Black cat. And I needed to try it out in the day to get ready for the night. And so I was in the privacy of my own bedroom. And I wasn't dumb enough to set it off in my bedroom. I opened up the window, and I put it in a, in, a, in a bottle, and I set it out. But when I lit that sucker, that bottle fell a little bit, and it shot out right into the yard, the side of the yard of my house. And I looked down, and it exploded, and that yellow grass started to catch on fire. I had one thought. Bro, I'm dead. And so I ran out of the house, and I looked at what was a small little fire burn now spread into not just the front yard of our house, but was spreading into the neighbor's yard. Everything was black, and it was spreading fast. Now, thankfully, there was a hose nearby, and I was able to put it out before I burned our house and the neighborhood down. But I learned a valuable lesson. Don't set off fireworks from your bedroom. But also, like something little, don't underestimate the size of something because it can do great harm, not only to yourself but to others. It's just like that with our words, isn't it? Just like it. Like you, you underestimate the power of your words. And careless words can not only do great harm to yourself, but they can do great harm to those around you. Words are powerful. They're powerful. And you're going to discover from God's word how powerful they are. Some of you know this to be true just in your own self. Like you can look back at your life, right? And there have some, been some words that were careless said to you that just crushed your spirit. Words that pierced your soul, that negatively affected you. Even some innocent words, some jokes that people said that they thought were funny, right? I promise you, I've heard every single bald joke there is. Got two of my man right in the front. You know, like I, but you, you choose what kind of comes into your heart. I like my, what my wife says about my bald head more than all the other bald jokes. She says that this is a solar panel for being a kissing machine. That's right. You hold on to those words. <laughs> Turn with me in your Bibles to James chapter 3. I'm so glad that you're here as we continue our series called Taming the Tongue. Last week we discovered that what comes out of our mouth starts where? In the heart. Jesus said that, right? Out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever the condition of your heart is, that's what you will speak, both positive and negative. 
And the only true way, you can't tame the tongue on your own, the only true way is by surrendering it to the Holy Spirit and walking in the Spirit. Surrendering to the power and grace of God. Today, we're going to discover from God's Word how to maximize your words. How to leverage them for God's glory. How to leverage them for the greater good for other people. All right? But the reality is none of us are perfect. We've all made mistakes. We have all missed the mark when it comes to our tongue. The Bible says this in James 3, starting at verse 2. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. There's only been one person that existed on this earth that was perfect with their tongue, and that is Jesus, right? He's such a great example as we read through the Gospels. In verse 3, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing. It's little, isn't it? Three inches long. It's little, but wow, does it have great power. You could be having the greatest day, right? And someone says a careless word in person or maybe text it to you. Maybe you saw it on social media and it just ruined your day. It ruined your week. Some of you are still thinking about it and it happened last month. It was a careless word. And it's not just the external words. Sometimes it's the internal words. It's the negative self-talk that we start believing about ourselves that are untrue, that are lies. It's the whispers of the enemy over things in the past or who we are and our identity. And that negative talk is, is causing us not to grow in our relationship with the Lord. That negative talk, both internally and external, is affecting healthy relationships. It's affecting us not being able to fulfill our God-given purpose in life. This is how important words are. If I could just be practical for a moment, just give you some advice from, from me as a friend, as a pastor. Some of you need to be more wise with the words that you're listening to from other people. Because you've got people in your life, and some of them are family. Some of them have been friends for a long time, but their hearts aren't right with God. Some of them, their hearts are, they've got envy towards you. And they've said things, and you're allowing yourself to listen to them. Now, we're called, as Christians, to love and forgive everybody, right? No matter what. Our forgiveness is not based on apology or the offenses. It's based on Jesus' forgiveness of us. So you've been forgiven much. We must forgive much. However, there's a difference between loving and forgiving and trusting. And for a season, you might have to have distance because the words that are coming out of someone's mouth is toxic and it's affecting you. And this is part of guarding your heart. You need to pray. You need to have honest conversations. But maybe for a season, there needs to be a little bit of distance. Guard your heart. Guard your family. Guard your marriage. All right. Verse 5. This is more talking about taking personal responsibility with our words, though. Verse 5 says, A tongue makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It's getting real now, right? It, the Bible says it is a world, a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire for it is set on fire by what? 
By where? Hell itself. Like words have an origin. Heaven or hell, right? And those words of gossip, the words of slander, the lying words, the cursing words don't come from heaven. It comes from hell. Some of you wonder why your life feels like a living hell right now. Could it be because you're speaking careless words? And the Bible says that, again, we can tame our tongues. It just happens through the the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God when we surrender ourselves to him as a living sacrifice. Verse 7 says, people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless, it is an evil, it's full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord. Remember, James is talking about to brothers. and He's talking to us as Christians. He says, sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. The Bible says it shouldn't be this way. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a child of God, you shouldn't speak both words of blessing and cursing. You shouldn't come church praising God and then cursing your neighbor in the next breath. It's, a, it's black and white. There's no room in the middle. It should, you're, if you're doing this, you're hypocritical and you're doing more harm than good. You shouldn't speak one way at church and another way at work. You shouldn't speak one way on your knees and another way behind the wheel. You shouldn't speak one way in your small group and another way to your spouse. Words are powerful. This past week, as an experiment, just during my abide time, I added a proverb of the day. Whatever day of the month was September 20th, I read Proverb 20. And you know what I discovered this past week? Is that there was a verse that was very practical to how I use my tongue. Because the Lord knows that we'll struggle. It's the hardest part of our bodies to control. But there is power in our tongue. Our words can be used for both life and death. Proverbs 18 verse 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. The tongue, the words we speak, the words can be both life-giving and life-taking. They can be helpful, they can be harmful. They can build up, they can take down. They can start relationships, they can end relationships. They can unite, they can divide. There is power in the words. Think about this. How did God create our world? He spoke it, right? He said, he said it, let there be, and there was. Our words can create. Our words have power. And when we yield ourselves as vessels to the Lord, our words can be life-giving. Dr. Andrew Newberg said a single word has the power to influence the expression of genes and regulate physical and emotional issues. You know this to be true about yourself, right? You know this. Like the words, the negative talks, it can affect your emotions, your own words, other people's words, 
and you can find yourself worrying, being discouraged, doubting yourself, doubting who you are, and it'll affect you eventually physically. It'll affect your digestive tract. It'll affect your body in, in negative ways. That's why words are so important. So think about your tongue. Think about your words. How are you going to be known? Are you going to be known for being positive with your words, or are you going to be known for being negative with your words? You have the choice, yielded by the Holy Spirit. You shouldn't do both. We know that through the Scripture. But let's contrast both, all right? The deadly tongue, it does a few things very badly. First, a deadly tongue gossips. It gossips. I've seen this in church for 45 years, that the number one scheme of the enemy, that he wants to bring division in every single church, not just this one, but he'll do it through gossip. He'll disguise, he'll he'll. It is so deceptive. A lot of times it will be disguised as a prayer request or it will just be. It's rooted oftentimes in hurt. It's, it's rooted in envy. When you have an expectation for someone or for something to happen and it doesn't happen, there's a withdrawal and then it's just, it taints your heart. And then, then the words come out that are negative. That may not even be true, but they're not loving. They're not, God, and, and it's doing harm. And the enemy uses that to bring division, uses that to divide what God wants to do here or even in your family or in your small group. The deadly tongue not only gossips, but the deadly tongue complains. Again, we have to examine our heart. And if our heart is sad, if our heart is anxious, worrying, depressed, then negative, talk, negative words are going to spill over and it'll be like verbal toxic pollution to other people in your environment. One of the, man, we, ha- we know we have our Ten Commandments, right? I, I, I recommend it, if we had an Eleventh Commandment, it would be, thou shall not complain. It is biblical. It is biblical. Philippians 2.14 says, do everything without complaining and arguing. This is a great verse, moms and dads, to make your kids memorize, right? Some of us, we need to memorize it as well. And live by it. Right? Let's not stop being so critical and negative all the time. A deadly tongue is careless. You know, we think we can just say whatever comes into our mind, and and we shouldn't. We must learn to guard our mouths. Learn to have self-control. It's a fruit of the Spirit. And the more we mature, the more we abide, the more we grow in our relationship with Jesus, we should have more self-control. Right? Proverbs 26, 18, 19 says, Just as damaging as a madman shooting a deadly weapon is someone who lies to a friend and then says, I was only joking. Wow. Right? How many times do we let a careless word, we say it because it's funny. We say it because it's sarcastic. And in the moment, it brings up, but those words were pointed, they were sharp, and they were destructive. Charles Spurgeon, who was a, 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 a pastor back in London uh, a long time ago in the late 1800s, he said, a loose tongue is like a wild horse. It needs a bit in its mouth. The words have the power to take life, and they have the power to give life. So here's, the, here's what I want to I give you something very practical. When, it's harder to control our words when our emotions start to increase when we get angry we feel that temperature right and we just want to get it off our chest and we want to say things and and isn't it sad that we say the most harmful things to the people that we're most close to we take for granted and it should not be that way so when you feel like you're getting upset and it happens to all of us 
take a deep breath for 30 seconds, I want you to ask yourself these questions. This is a great grid, right? First is what I'm about to say, is it helpful? Is it, is it the most loving thing that I could say in this moment? Is it wise? Is what I'm about to say, is it going to bring God glory? And if you can't answer in confidence, then maybe you shouldn't say it at all. And that's a great way for you to, to, to pray and to ask the Lord to give you wisdom in that moment. Because those words, when said from a fit of rage or anger or out of control, they will never be forgotten. They can be forgiven, but they won't be forgotten. And it's like toothpaste out of the bottle. You won't be able to put it back in or take, and you'll regret it. And so a deadly tongue, it gossips, it complains, it's careless. But conversely, a life-giving tongue has a description as well. First, a life-giving tongue compliments. It chooses, no matter how you feel, to say something positive, to say something that's beneficial. I am so grateful that my mom, my entire life, she's not perfect, but she's pretty doggone close. <laughs> and I have seen her my whole life. Just use her words to encourage, to compliment other people. Even when she's sick, she prays. I said, Mom, what's your secret? You will write cards. You will get on social media just to compliment people. You will, you just, you're, she's my number one cheerleader. I was like, what? She says, when I pray, I ask the Holy Spirit to nudge me, to bring people into my mind that I can compliment. And it's part of who she is. It's part of, it's her life. It's a habit. It's a, something in her life. And it inspires me to be someone who, who compliments. Here's a good way to get started. It's the 30-second rule. John Maxwell says that in the first 30 seconds of every conversation of your encounter with someone, say something positive about them. It could be external. It's more beneficial when it's, the, the, it's a character attribute that you're complimenting. Some of you, you're just wired in a way that when you see something that's not hitting the mark. It could be a system. It could be something in an organization or a person's life. You see the gaps, and it's easy to see those things first. And be choose to to speak positively first. Speak positively first. So a life giving tongue compliments. A life giving tongue also shapes. It gives influence. We know that to walk in the spirit. There's there's gifts of the spirit. And a lot of those gifts of the Spirit are tied to our tongue, words of knowledge, words of prophecy. But our words can bring great influence, especially to those who are struggling, to those who are young. One of the most influential stories that I've ever heard is the story about a woman named Cheryl Pruitt. She, back in the 70s, she grew, in, grew up in a rural area on a farm. And her dad owned a, a mom-and-pop grocery store, really small and Every week in that, during the summertime when she would work for her dad, the milkman would come in. And he would take the milk bottles and he would line up. And, and she, she loved this milkman because every time he would walk in, he would greet her. And he'd say, Cheryl, how's my little Miss America doing? How's my little Miss America? So she looked forward every week. He would come in and she would help him. And he would speak encouragement to her. He would tell her how beautiful she is. He would tell her how talented she is. And she became very comfortable with those words where at one point it became her aspiration in life. And in 1981, Cheryl Pruitt was crowned Miss America. 
And when she got up and gave her speech, she gave God glory for his goodness, but she also gave credit to that milkman who, who said things about her that she didn't believe about herself. Don't you just love that story? I think about that with my kids. I think about that with my son-in-law, Luke, who's right here. I think a good nickname for you, Luke, would be Mr. Millionaire. When I see you, I'm going to say, how's my Mr., my little Mr. Millionaire doing? Who's going to take care of, of dad one day? <laughs> but we need to see the, the power of our words, right? I remember when my kids were little, I would always at night tuck them in, and we'd have a Bible story. I would make up a story and, and, and pray over them. I'd lay my hands on them, and I would pray that they would that they would, I would, the good things in life and encourage them and just try to pray in the spirit and help them to be able to fulfill God's calling and purpose on their life. There's power in our words. The life-giving tongue also corrects in love. It corrects in love. We're told in the Bible as followers of Jesus to admonish each other. But it's important to do this in humility and love. Tone matters. When Jesus corrected the woman who was caught in adultery. He saved her, right? But he looked her in the eyes. He said, go and sin no more. Why? Because he was full of both grace and truth. Grace says, I love you no matter what. Truth says, I've got to be honest with you no matter what. We don't need to be in a hurry to correct someone. We definitely shouldn't do it when we're real emotional or angry. But after we've prayed, after we've maybe shed a few tears, if the Holy Spirit is still directing us to correct, to rebuke, we should be obedient to do that, but in a spirit of humility and love. If you see someone in your small group, if you see a family member that's missing the mark, it's so important to go to them and say, man, I've been praying for you. I love you, but I've got to warn you, you're going in the wrong direction. And you've got to be able to communicate and admonish. A life-giving tongue also encourages. This is different than a casual compliment. This is when you intentionally build someone up. I love the definition of, a, of encouragement being the premeditated resolve to lift the spirit of a friend. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. Encouragement is if you look at the word and you break it up into to two words, in, to place, to make, to put in, and then the word courage. Think about encouragement as being a crown over someone's head and that you would speak over to that person until they feel comfortable wearing that crown. We can all be encouragers. We can all be intentional. Sometimes we avoid encouraging people because maybe because we've, said bad things about them in the past so we hold back or we 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 don't want to be too vulnerable or we don't want to cry or become emotional so we'll hold back i promise you your marriage your relationships will be so so much better if you were more encouraging we'll take a little survey how many of you have received too many compliments and encouraging words in your life you're like i'm good i don't need any more encouragement i just don't <laughs> Not many, right? Let this be a reminder that we live in a world where there's a lot of negativity. And we can be used of the Lord 
to be a light, to be salt, to give life-giving words. As a church, are we going to be known for what we're for or what we're against? Let's be known for having life-giving words. Before I, I became a, a church planner about 17 years ago, I, I knew I needed to grow in this area of my life. I could be critical, and it took a few years to even, even grow. I, I, was, I, I confessed last Sunday in a message that this has been an area of my life. First time we've ever done a, a sermon series on our words because I had struggled, on, struggled with it growing, growing up. And I read this book called Well Done by Ken Blanchard. And the premise of this book is just catching people doing things right. None of us are perfect. Um, it's kind of like I, I quickly applied it when my kids were little to when they would bring home the, the report cards. It's real easy to see the C or the D first. But what if you, you, you really emphasize the A and what they did good in first? And so here's some very practical things you might want to write down. Praise people immediately. Don't hold back on praise and encouragement. It's life-giving. And when you receive praise, can I encourage you to defer that praise to the Lord and to other people, maybe to a team or to your spouse? Here's some, a second thing. Very it says, be specific about what they did right. Or here's the key, almost did right. Be an encourager. Number three, Share your positive feelings about what they did. How did it make you feel when you saw them? You get what you celebrate. Number four, encourage them to keep up the good work. Keep encouraging. Keep honoring. Keep praising. Keep complimenting. Be known for being an encourager. Here's some very practical things to say. Just a phrase that might be three words, and I want to give you a practical challenge to be beneficial, to be generous with these words. I love you. I need you. I believe in you. I'm sorry. I'm praying for you. 